0: We got to remember all of life is discomfort. All of it. The only time it's ever really totally perfectly comfortable is when you're really little and mom and dad, if you're lucky enough to have mom and dad or two moms or two dads or whatever. But when you're little and everything, all your needs are taken care of. And that doesn't even happen for everybody. But everything in life is a bit of discomfort. So you got you to gotta get used to it. You got to be ready for it. Because it could become a huge discomfort or it could just be a bunch of very little ones.
1: Definitely. But it's always, it's waves. Yeah. It always comes in waves and there's always going to be one to crash down as (laughs) well. (laughs) My name is Dylan Birch. Over the past four years, I've been traveling Canada via train, plane, and even hitchhike. Working anywhere from McDonald's to lighting films. What i found sparks my curiosity is how much we can learn from a meaningful conversation. When we engage with curiosity, it helps us better connect with ourselves and with others. Deeper connection raises levels of dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, and other well-being biochemicals in our brain. We can create positive benefits for our body and our mind. This makes conversation part of the cure. This is The Curiosity Curve. All right, so this is episode two of The Curiosity Curve. And today we have who I like to call T Bomb in. She is a, how I know her, is a high school teacher from my former high school and she taught me drama, and I will now let her explain a little more about herself.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, you invented the nickname (laughs) T-Bomb. I don't remember why you started that, um, but it stuck, and the kids still call me that. I think it probably helped that I labeled all my highlighters with that nickname.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Surprise me.
0: (laughs) But most of those highlighters have have now uh, died, but the nickname sure hasn't. And the tea part for your listeners is for the last name being Thomas. Um, Yeah, teach high school, have done for 22 years now, and mostly the arts, but a bunch of other things as well. And had the pleasure of teaching you for two years and watching you grow and change, and then continuing to watch you grow and change after you left high school because we kept in touch.
1: Yeah. Um, And just to touch a little bit more on, Um, who you are Um, so that's a lot on how I know you and how maybe the students know you and what you do for career but outside of that who who are you as a person what what maybe hobbies wherever you want to take that question
0: Mm. okay so that's something that uh, I've actually been looking at um, more recently because my hobbies and my career have been 100% the same because everything I do outside of school is theater, is music theater, is straight theater, is Shakespeare, is all of that kind of stuff. Um, choreography, singing, dancing, performing, all of that. And just a couple years ago, it, it became too much. It became overload because when you do, when your hobby matches your career, if one of them gets a little bit soured for whatever reason, it starts to wear you down because you can't there's no escape there's there's nothing there isn't that other hobby that you can then go and do um so uh i actually have been looking for other things to do and to where to spend my energy so that i i don't end up hating the thing that i love um because everything my husband does is all theater as well so everything we do 24 seven is somehow theater connected. Um, but now we, we've we purchased a, a rental property and we're fixing that up. And so that's a whole nother way of thinking about the world and people and that sort of stuff. And with it being spring, I'm doing a bunch of gardening, um, which I'm not good at, but I love doing. <laughs> I actually have all kinds of allergic reactions in different parts of the year but I still like doing it and I'm a redhead. So I sunburn badly so I can only do it on days when it's not that sunny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hurdles, but whatever. Um, and I do like sewing and uh, I have made a lot of puppets and I've made um, things that I, I've actually worn uh, and I'd like to do more of that uh, in the future. I also love sketching, but I'm terrible at that too, or at least I think I am. Uh, but every time I get to take a, a Disney uh, drawing class, I'm there. I could do that all day long. I would be the happiest person if I could just take class after class after class of that.
1: Yeah, I could definitely imagine. Just from what I know of you, that would be your absolute bliss zone, I think. And with with what you said, how I kind of took that was – maybe it's redirecting um, and definitely let me know like redirecting the hobbies still somewhat within theater, but different avenues. So maybe, you know, more, I kind of see what you're telling me is more like almost like the set design or costume design and then as as well more of the animation or sketching and drawing Um, on that side of the creation, right? Whereas what I know you from is more on the side of directing and um, acting, which is also what you teach, right? Which is kind of what you were saying is that kind of struggle in a way in the beginning.
0: Yeah, it it gets exhausting, Um, but you're totally right. Uh, I've always loved uh, lighting design, Um, and I have done a very tiny bit of that but I'd love to do more. And that's all that beautiful stuff about art with how the colors mix together and how they affect the audience and mm-hmm. affect the mood and the story. Um, and for sure, um, set design. I have a friend who is the most fantastic artist. And during this, um, this crisis, he has been posting every day a different piece of china that he owns because he owns oh, wow. a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. He's collected it forever. And every single day is another beautiful piece. And he has uh, collected them partially because he uses the color palettes as inspiration for set designs. And I went, oh my God, that's like, that's wow. the most brilliant thing ever to, to take that as your jumping off point.
1: Absolutely, right? And, and why wouldn't you be able to if you fee- have a certain feeling or feel that the the colors in the china mixed mixed in the patterns that they are express a certain emotion or feeling how why can't you translate that to a set
0: yeah totally right? and he there was one that he posted that I was, I said okay you have to design me a set with those colors sometime <laughs> <laughs> so now that I know that that's what he does i'm just going to scroll through his pictures and say that plate there make me a set that looks like that plate there
1: Yeah, I need a set for this script with that china as my set. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. It's such a cool way and especially um, I find in this time myself, but I've also seen and spoken with a few um, friends and family who've also kind of found ways to adapt or certain things that we can't do right now, say like set design, but to be able to, find ways to do that through China or, you know, the fact that I'm sitting here in my closet talking to you and having a podcast, but wasn't able to go to the store or be able to fully build a complete studio on my own, kind of how we've been able to still make things work and kind of, in a way, simplify things for ourselves really and do more for ourselves. Yeah. Rather than paying and um, getting other people to do these things for us, we're really, I found personally, at least and within my own family, that we've all been able to kind of take the time to explore, learn, and be curious about um, new things and be able to learn those things for ourselves rather than outsource them, which has been a convenient option for us.
0: Yeah, it's like doing more with less. Yeah. Or just
1: less and what you just have, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. What's just at hand. And um, it it reminds me, there's a student who's um, uh, working online, obviously, and I just put out to them that it's time to think about mask design. And um, she already finished her mask, like within, I don't know, two Mm -hmm. days or something, and sent me pictures. And it is brilliant. Um, outstanding design. And, and she, she says it's not done because she ran out of supplies in her house. And I'm like, well, that's fine. You're still going to get an awesome grade on this. Yeah. And the cool thing for this particular student is that she actually suffers from a lot of anxiety and difficulties. And sometimes that keeps her from coming to school. And in this particular bizarre situation, she's actually been participating way more than she would have been if we were in the classroom. So, you know, even though I'm seeing less of some people, I'm seeing more of some others. I find it fascinating, even though it's frustrating, you know, at the same time, but it's fascinating and it's kind of uplifting that it really works for some people.
1: Yeah. And in the same way as being in the class works for some people as well, right? Or sitting down and taking in one style of learning. Um, Drama was something where you didn't really have to sit down and learn for too long, which is kind of why I enjoyed it. But at the same time, yeah, but where I want to take that off of what you just said, uh, I have an interesting question to pose to you. Um, So with what we just kind of said, and more so with what you just talked about, what how would you feel moving forward then to have that new perception of how um this has really enabled and helped some kids who might struggle more in a social environment or have anxiety or depression or whatever it may be? Um, it clearly can help some people to have schooling the way it is right now, and it definitely would hinder other students as well, so where or how? Or what would be that medium in your own mind? Like, how would you or see a way to kind of adapt for all sides?
0: It's such, I, I think for some classes, it's an easy answer. And for others, it's a much harder answer. So I think... Uh, I mean, I know all of my staff members are missing the daily contact with the kids and they're all finding it tough working online. But I know that also some of the math teachers and the English teachers are seeing more of their students. More of them are participating online because it's it's just sort of a little bit easier to deliver that material um, in an online fashion. Whereas a lot of uh, my performing arts friends, music and drama and dance, we've all found that there's been a real drop off in kids who want to participate because to them, it's just not the same. Yeah,
1: Um, it really, it is in in my opinion as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. you know, it it has to, there is this magical, everything in the performing arts is about that intangible thing that happens once in a lifetime and then it's gone. Because it's ephemeral and it's live and it's right there, and I think for those kids who struggle, um, drama is one of the best classes for them to take. But then, if we had someone, um, you know, like this particular student, uh, and we knew that she wasn't going to come, let's say on Fridays, because she just mm-hmm. needed a break, you know, one day a week or whatever. There's. I would never have thought of this before, but now I could see, okay, we just have to have a camera positioned somewhere in the room and I have to make sure at the start of class that, that whoever's doing the speaking, if it's me or a guest artist or whatever, that uh, she can see what's going on and hear clearly. Um, she could still probably participate in like our discussions in that way, or or she could just you know type something online that could even be private to me, because that's one of the things she's saying is that because she knows it's not in front of everyone else, she's finding it a little easier. And if we had something like that, then, you know, those kinds of kids could come to class, come regularly, maybe three days a week, and then be able to have that safety net of being at home when it gets too much, but still participating, as opposed to just losing all of that time and all of those Marks and all of those achievements.
1: Yeah. I and I really like that idea, you know. So I actually want to let's let's dive a little deeper if you don't mind, if you think this is a good topic. So again, with what we said, um, I think that that'd be wonderful, right? And then how I look at that is how do you how do you execute something like that in the current stages um that the education system is in, but also um things will definitely change when we kind of integrate ourselves back into society and go back to the schools. But how, where my mind kind of went was maybe rather than getting the teacher or like the school board more involved, what about getting the students more involved in helping set those things up for the teachers? Um, I mean, funding might be one thing, but, um, to get the cameras, to get, you know, the things to access maybe, Um, zoom premium account for the school so that you could broadcast each class and have them subdivided on the school's website whatever it may be but then maybe taking projects within say communications or um, classes that have things to do with that um, as well as maybe some of the arts and integrating that in with the announcements and having the morning announcements and communications having to do something with live stream like live streaming classes and having them saved Right. And that could and integrating that into different classes and, uh, you know, like in making it more accessible, not just for the teachers to be able to do, but for the te- the students to be able to help students. So I guess the question that would come out of that would be, um, what do you think the best approach to making that happen would be uh, maybe not even with Without even having to maybe approach the school board, how do you think you can do that with what we were maybe mentioned earlier about with what you have right now um and once everything gets back out, um everyone gets back out and kind of integrated into society, and we see how things have changed. How do you kinda think the implementation can happen within your own school?
0: yeah, some of that is tricky um it's totally doable. I think the the hurdles will be just the the sort of uh, beginning steps. Because once you have it up and running, then you just can keep using the same sort of platform. Um, the the trick is like zoom here is available to everybody and that's great and it's a really Mm. robust uh program um but it's not something that a school board is just going to allow people to use right they need a, a secure thing so right now um in our school board we're using things like google meets and and that sort of stuff so if you already have that then um you just set that up in your classroom and i really like the idea of putting some of the responsibility on the kids so for example, you know, one kid in a class, especially like right now I have a grade 10, 11 and 12 drama class uh, mixed like that. So a couple of my grade 12s could be responsible at the start of class for setting up whatever equipment we need and um, possibly operating the camera, If especially if we're moving around and doing a bunch of rehearsing and things like that. Um, I think if we recorded it, that would be useful because then you're helping not just the kid who's at home because they're sick or have anxiety or something like that. You're also helping the kid who's off at a basketball tournament. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're just not in class because of some other commitment, which happens, yeah. you know, all the time.
1: Yeah, I was that kid, and I remember that. And it would suck when um, what would happen was in the afternoon. Uh, I don't know if it happens anymore, but when I was there, your afternoon classes would rotate so some days i would miss one class because of a sporting event but the next day or the next time it it'd be another class because of the way it switched and i'm sure part of that was because of the sporting events and things like that but yeah it definitely uh there was classes it was definitely like a yes but there was classes that you also were kind of bummed that you had to miss because um you were going to these things for sure and
0: the the downside with that then becomes that extra pressure you have put on the student because you're, you've are you gone off to the basketball tournament, which you're putting a lot of effort into, it means a lot to you and it's extra time, even though it's out of class. Uh, but if the lesson, if the science class or the French class has been recorded for you, then you have to go home and you have to, it, it's on your plate now that you have to get yourself caught up And you don't have that um, sort of excuse, for want of a better word, to say, well, I wasn't here. I need a little extra time to catch up. You then have twice as much on your plate, in a sense. I mean, in reality, you have that on your plate anyway, but there's that sort of forgiveness factor of I was away because of. Mm -hmm. you know. And I know that life is much more challenging for teens now than it was 10 years ago 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there's just so much more coming at them all at once. And while having something recorded would be useful for them, there'd still be that immediate of you have to be on top of this. So I think you'd want Mm. to put some other philosophy in place that allowed for uh, for for needing time to catch up, for the kid who does mess up, for the kid who says, yeah, I know you recorded it, but I just couldn't get to it. I just did not get a chance. I will this weekend or I will da-da-da. Or, I mean, it's perfectly valid to say, I missed out. I missed out on that concept. I missed out because I was at something else. That's valid too. And just, you know, that's why life is a percentage point, I guess. Right, mm-hmm. you know, you, you take your senior math and you get, I don't know, seventy-three percent. Maybe you wanted eighty-five, but you still got it. You know, I think people worry yeah. about the numbers and missing out. That fear of missing out is really, really huge. But I think that's something that um, we have to start to let go of. That's what keeps people stuck to their phones day after Absolutely. day because they're afraid they're missing out.
1: And in turn, by looking at their phones more and more, they just look at how much more they're missing. It's a it's a feedback loop out of hell is what it is. And um, they're
0: missing out on the vital real life stuff that's right in front of them. Yeah. I took to saying to, to the kids this year, you know, when I catch them on their phones, I'd be like, really? Those people are more important than us? You don't love us right here in this room? And they started giving me funny looks, but I just kept on it because it was like, really? That's a non person yeah. in your hand,
1: exact, and I mean sometimes I'm sure there's reasonable um excuses why you know someone might actually have been needing to use their phone in that moment, but nine I guarantee you ninety eight percent of that time, uh especially while I was in high school, where at that time we weren't even allowed like it was more so like we had more restrictions on even seeing phones, you know um way back then, not that it was too long ago, but <laughs>
0: that long ago, but there were definitely less of you who had your phones on you and there were definitely less of you who would be pulling it out um, during class and way less kids constantly trying to be sneaky about it you know mm-hmm. that sort of hide it and just glances and it's ridiculous because kids stay the same no matter what every year a new batch comes and they think that I've never seen that trick before <laughs> but, and they're doing uh, the
1: same tricks that we did to you and this yeah, stuff first started yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah you know it's it's ridiculous and you know when I first met you guys you were trying to pull all these jokes on me and I'm like I'm sorry I saw that in Toronto in my first year of teaching. Yeah. You guys are you guys are so behind like no.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh that's you're not going to catch us.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's hilarious. Especially to look back and see how like we talk about this now and like I was certainly one of those people like for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah going back to where you're saying though about um because i think it is super interesting of the idea of how it could be possible and realistically that i think that would be the first real thing that actually like would revolutionize sorry the education system in a different way of how it's kind of been stagnant in the same kind of devices other than technology it's been adapting technology but you know Everything about school, in my opinion um, I'm not t- too sure about yourself, but at least seemed very much so the same and um you know, I think
0: oh, oh, the philosophy of you come in and we sit in rows and we're at desks and and I teach you something and you you learn it that has not changed since school began
1: yeah, so that, that
0: is the same
1: how I kind of imagined it when you were explaining this to me was what if and to mix in some of how you're saying this, the stressors and excuses and things, well, what if instead of when you sign up for the curriculum, curriculum in the beginning of the year, you have the option of each class in physical form or in digital form? And instead of X amount of classes in the day or X amount of school hours in the day, you lessen that and so many you choose digitally so many you choose to do so in school and the school hours might be the same in what in terms of what you're doing but the amount of hours you spend in school are less therefore giving you more free time to do it and less excuses to say you didn't have the time and also exhausting wise energy wise you know maybe being able to bump that starting point later like obviously that's a lot of politics and different things that go into that but I mean just in our little imaginary Disney
0: right zone
1: here in a perfect
0: world yeah it um you're you're really talking in a great way about how to revolutionize um just the structure of school and what that will take in my opinion is a real thinking shift from Um, the powers that be who set it up because there are plenty of students who will not do well with a digital format. They might do okay if there were pieces of a course digital, but an entire one, they Mm -hmm. would, they would just not do well. Um, But if you had the ability, the, the, our, current system in Ontario is set up that you're supposed to do grade 9, 10, 11, 12, and be done and get out. And you should be able to do eight courses in grade nine and be successful in all eight. Well, that's true for a lot of kids, but not all of them. And if there was, there needs to be a far more open way of thinking in that there are going to be some kids who are going to maybe get four courses done this year. They should still spend the same amount of time as the rest of their um, compatriots, um, but maybe those four courses take longer for them. So they need to have the in-face component, but then also have the digital to take home so that they can do even more time on it or have more support uh, in the resource or something like that. And, but that means that you can't insist that once you turn you know 17 almost being 18 that you're done get out go to college right Mm -hmm. it's a whole different way of thinking i mean i've imagined things where kids actually go to school six days a week but teachers only go four and so it kind of rotates so you know teacher a who does mostly math goes monday to thursday and On Monday, there's a lot of math. There's more of that class or whatever. And then teacher B who does more of the arts things goes Tuesday to Friday. And on Friday, there's a big emphasis on all the arts things. Those classes are longer or something. And then all of the sort of tech and phys ed people do Wednesday to Saturday. And Saturday is the day that you have all your big tournaments or you do your major project in whatever tech class or something like that. And they're, I mean, that's a timetabling nightmare, but I bet you it could work. I bet you there's ways you could make that happen. And yeah, it means that the kids are going to school six days a week. Maybe their hours each day are more flexible. You know, maybe Monday is a bit shorter. Um, because it's just those academics or something like that. But it also means that if all of the phys ed sort of things are on Saturday, well, then they're not missing out because they're Mm -hmm. not missing their math class or whatever. You know, again, like I say, I don't know how you would timetable it, but there are smarter brains than I out there who could make something like that
1: work. Absolutely. And um, I think it's been just amazing to kind of pry into this and kind of like just kind of build an idea and look at it um and i think that would be something that would be absolutely amazing give so much flexibility to teachers students staff probably um the the system as a whole but i think yeah that big question when you look at it as um yeah it's a pain in the butt and it would be a lot of work but imagine if it was something that we had been adapting to like everything else. It wouldn't be the big project that it is now. And, you know, it's it's like anything else. The longer you put it off, the bigger it bites you in the butt at the end.
0: Right. And what's wrong with the big project? Yeah. I think, I think the physical buildings need to change too. I, I think putting everybody in little box rooms and saying, this is the English room and that is the math room and here is the science room. Um, I mean, you, knew, you do need dedicated spaces, but I think, I think uh, when we think about really amazing workplaces, like uh, I've seen documentaries on people who work at Google or people who work at Disney and how they have very flexible workspaces and it's much easier Absolutely. to go and uh, get those, those cross pollination of ideas. Um, you know, maybe not for kindergarten kids because <laughs> you, you want them to stay contained, but.
1: They need know, a little bit of structure. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah you know, but as we, we move. We all up, do, but yeah. But as we move up the ladder, there, there needs to be, a, you know, a bit more freedom and a bit more, uh, it, it's, it's the constant thing of the box. We need to take the box and take it apart and rearrange it into something new.
1: Yeah, and I think exactly uh with our current time as well. Um, you know, we've been stuck in a box um that we can either see as just an empty box or we can rearrange and restructure into something that when we come out of this um you know, we can we can change a lot of boxes and I think um there's going to be yeah, yeah, or at least hopefully step outside. I mean, that's the that's the aim right now. But back to what what we were saying. Yeah, I think um just to kind of I guess get close to some things uh before I ask you if there's anything if you left out. I do want to um almost put us in a scenario here. Let let me uh, throw this at you. So, uh, imagine it's you um you can have me there as your backup. Let's say I'm just like a backup voice, but I'm there to kind of just have this conversation with you uh, to kind of in this imaginary scenario. But you're in a boardroom with all the biggest, most important people in the Ontario school board. Um, there's no sense of um, threat or, you know, you don't feel like there's any overpowering egos. It's just a completely confident and comfortable space to give. Your mind and opinion, maybe within some of the things we talked about in this conversation, some of the things we haven't. Um, but speaking your mind in an open fashion on how you feel, uh, things need to change.
0: Hmm. And what would I say to them?
1: Yeah how would you how would you fashion together maybe to put a theatrical spin on it, what would be your, your Patch Adams monologue? You know? Oh
0: it would it would be completely theatrical and um I would have rehearsed it ahead of time with students and puppets. Um because I'd go in and like pretend I was gonna be all uh you know professional with my suit jacket and high heels and whatnot. And then I'd open the door behind me and a pile of kids would come in and act it out for them. Cause yeah. I think the voice of the the students is what's gonna have to change because it's the kids who are experiencing this now who are gonna get to vote in a couple of years and they're the ones who hopefully don't forget this experience and can be the future trustees and the future school board uh, members and all of that sort of stuff who who can make it happen. I'm nearing the end of my teaching career, so it's not gonna change uh, anytime soon for me, but I would want to, have facilitated the voice of the kids to bring that in. And it would be wacky. And it would, I would hope it would inv- involve puppets um, just because that's ridiculous. And I would probably throw a pile of confetti at them as well just to make a mess of their boardroom because I think that's important. They need to remember who their clients are. Their clients are kids. And as grown up and as serious as teenagers like to think they are, they're not. They're kids, they wanna have a good time, they wanna laugh, they wanna goof off, they wanna feel free and they they wanna um, express themselves and they don't know how. And that's, who, that's what we're in service of. And so I would help whoever the kids were that were gonna come with me, I would help them to be as zany as possible to say, this has gotta change and this, these are the things we wanna see changed. And in that process with them, I would, have, I would have definitely given them my ideas, probably just to spitball and help them get going, but invariably their ideas would be better than mine. There's always going to be a kid in the class who's going to have this amazing thing that the rest of us have never thought of. And we'd all jump on that and, and be like, that's it. That's what we're doing. That's what we're taking to these guys.
1: So. Yeah. I like so my that.
0: pat my Patch Adams monologue would be, and here are my kids,
1: and that would be it because they'd have the rest of it for you. I like that. So then, in that, okay, this would be the kind of last question I spitball because I could probably pull out questions forever on this to kind of keep going deeper. But what I just kind of want to, if any um, students of any kind—college, uh, university, high school, public school, um, anyone—students of life. Uh, are listening right now what do you what would your message be to any uh students or anyone who you feel needs a voice maybe um in this current time or anything to anyone who you feel needs of a, a voice and how you kind of say we kind of need to have that for ourselves but for each other as well what what's your message for those people
0: What's my message to those guys yeah oh. don't be afraid. Don't be silent. You got an idea? In the back of your head, you've got that little nasty vampire saying it's a dumb idea. No one wants to hear it. Do not listen to that voice. You have no idea how many other people in the room have the same idea or the same worry or the same want, and they don't know how to say it. If you have an idea of how to say it, you say it. And if it goes off like a lead balloon, then that's okay. Maybe you're way ahead of your time. Or maybe someone else will go, well, not that, but how about this? And they'll make your idea even better. But don't be silent because if you are silent, then you're not helping the person next to you who doesn't have the courage to speak up. The more you speak up, the better it is. That's what I'd say.
1: Absolutely as honestly that was beautiful and I don't think yeah there's much I would say different even on top of that other than when you uh spoke on fear I think it is you know it's something that we all we have those doubts and we have fear towards things I felt I felt fear inside of me I felt that that pit and that kind of angst anxiety and tension uh, just from you like talking about the experience of it and I think it's so important that we kind of connect with that feeling and we do explore it. Like you said, not to be afraid, but yeah. to know that it's okay to be afraid but yeah, to exactly. explore that and to to not be afraid, right? It's okay
0: to be afraid, it's okay to be nervous, it's it's okay to, you know, question yourself, but it's not okay to silence yourself.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's a super important thing for our youth but also for uh, everyone you know and myself included i definitely feel like i speak my mind a lot more but i've always been someone who bites my tongue not that more than in high bad. school yeah i've
0: always felt you spoke your mind
1: i mean yeah I, I mean i think i speak my mind maybe not more educated now but with a little more eloquently uh, a little bit more presently yeah oh, there like, we I go more awareness around what what is not that I don't slip it up here and there. Um, oh, we all do. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah, it's more.
0: That's the other thing, though. Um, it, you know, if you speak your mind and and it falls goes over like a lead balloon, you you need to know that you're not gonna die. Nothing bad's gonna yeah. happen. It's like okay, so they didn't like that idea. Oh well, yeah. they'll like the next one.
1: Or even like a confrontational conversation that has to do with problems between person a and b right like i find we all kind of back away from those or set it let's set it aside let's drop it let's forget about it but
0: well like you said earlier the longer you wait the worse it's gonna get the more you avoid it the worse it's gonna get
1: the balloon will fill yes yep and yeah it's being able to step into that fear of that conversation or that discomfort and You know, challenging it and being able to get through the kind of thick tension and discomfort of that, like, emotion you're in. Because really, in those times, you're really just caught up in the emotion, both sides. And, you know, once you can step back or kind of get through that and talk out or realize that you might be being silly, whatever it is, once you can get through that thickness of the fog, you kind of both get to learn something, number one maybe how it escalated to that point, but it also shows you the awareness so that next time you might be able to kind of check yourself or see that happening as it's happening, you know?
0: We got to remember all of life is discomfort. All of it. Mm -hmm. The only time it's ever really totally perfectly comfortable is when you're really little and mom and dad, if you're lucky enough to have mom and dad or two moms or two dads or whatever, but when you're little and everything, all your needs are taken care of. And that doesn't even happen for everybody. But everything in life is a bit of discomfort. So you gotta you gotta get used to it. You gotta be ready for it. Because it could become a huge discomfort or it could just be a bunch of very little ones.
1: Definitely. But it's always it's waves, yeah. It always come in waves and there's always gonna be one to crash down in- yeah. as well. <laughs> exactly when we don't want them usually. So um I guess if is there anything I left out or you feel that you um maybe wish to ask or feel that people don't ask that you'd hope people might ask more um of you, your skills or anything you feel you wanna ask me, anything that's left out of this conversation in your
0: own opinion? Well I I, I'm just, I always like following um, your, your social media posts and where you've gone and how you've traveled. I, I've always been really impressed with that. I, I think every young person should travel um, if they can, as much as they can, because you only ever know your little corner of the world. And so I was always very impressed that you went and did that um, and that you've taken the risks you've had, and. I, I'd like to know, like, if you could talk to yourself back in grade ten drama, you know, what would what would you now say to that kid, that version of you, or your friends from those classes? What what would you say to them now? I mean, they might listen, they might not, but what would you say? Oh
1: man, um, well, to myself, first and foremost, I'd probably smack myself over the head, and. <laughs> Uh, I say, hey man, what are you doing? You know, you might think you got it rough, and like you don't understand why you might be feeling all these things right now. But like, treat people, treat people better. You know, everything isn't about you. Um, you know, there's more to you than the mask you wear, and um, the more the more you take that off piece by piece, uh, the more you will find your life is more like a fairy tale than you could ever imagine. I love that. Yeah, and I mean, that is exactly kind of how, not that I don't still wear a part of that mask every day, but I think definitely figuring out the ways that your career and your hobbies, like we started this conversation, contribute um, to, you know, figuring out who that is. And I think, um, a good representation or like symbol of that is people can say whatever they want about Jim Carrey, but Jim Carrey has talked about a lot of how he kind of wore the mask of Jim Carrey. He became, uh, Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey is what the people wanted. Jim Carrey is what got him the checks, you know, and he lost sight with who and what he was uh, beyond that, you know, and it's kind of exploring the self-travel, um, I think it's huge. The only point that uh, kind of struck my mind out of what you said was um, if you can, saying if you can to people. And I want to say to people, anyone who's listening that does want to travel, anyone can. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. It doesn't matter what money you have. It doesn't matter what if you're in school. uh, You always have the choice. That's the first and foremost. Uh, So anything else after that is excuses. Um, It might be very viable and um, good excuses, but. In the end, uh, it's still an excuse. And if you don't have money or you don't have the circumstance, you can always uh, do things. You know, I took a job going out to Jasper with basically no money. And that's basically how all my journey started with no money. But um, I ended up literally not taking the job, had no source of income. I ended up taking a train with the last little buddy, a little bit of money I had out to Vancouver. Someone I met on the train. And we ended up hitchhiking Vancouver Island and then mm-hmm. hitchhiking the country back home. And I did all that with no money. I had, um, like my mom was able to help me out a little bit. She would sell things that I had back home um, online. And mm-hmm. when things sold, she'd send me that little bit of cash. Uh, you know, if I needed like 20 bucks or something here and there, she was able to help me out a little to get home. We, we got a $200 bills randomly handed to us in Winnipeg on the side. Wow. Of by a stranger uh, who won a 12 million dollar lottery earlier that day
0: wow
1: yeah so you know things things will work in your favor uh if if you trust you know you just yeah. kind of trust that you can do it and um once you kind of i talked about this in my last conversation my last podcast with Pooja and it's about this line, about getting over this line that is our fears that might look yeah. like a brick wall. But when you get to that other side, most times you realize that you had just only painted a brick wall on the, oh on the ground, you know? Oh you still, it. um, it's just a line the whole time, like a reflection. Yeah. And um, that's as easy as it can be sometimes, especially when it comes to things you're super passionate about. Um, as soon as you forget your doubt. And you kind of see yourself doing it you kind of shake your head and realize wow yeah i did all why that, that I... to myself i put up myself through all that
0: why did i worry about that at all that was yeah. a big deal
1: yeah and for the people who like tell you different and doubt you and tell you you can't do things well once you start doing it they'll they'll change their mind <laughs> you, you might have to show them but like you might just have to lead by example and guess what they might Find themselves doing that right after you.
0: Yeah, everybody wants someone else to go first.
1: Yeah, and it's it's scary as hell to be the one to go first. And I'll tell you right now, I'd never once in drama classes be got to go first for anything. But um, <laughs> I'd be more than happy to be the first one to go nowadays. <laughs> oh, <that'd be> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh this has been a great chat. I mean, it's been almost I think a little past forty minutes now. Um, so I definitely ask you, again, if you feel there's anything left out uh, or anything a little more about the journeys um, that you feel I didn't get to there that you, you want to poke into? Or?
0: Oh, I'm sure we could kick back in front of a fire and have a few brewskis and talk for hours. <laughs> but I, I think we've hit the major points.
1: Cool, cool. Okay, well, I guess we'll keep it at that. I think it was a super engaging conversation. You definitely um, raised my eyebrows at least to how – uh, we could really take some steps moving forwards in our education system, and how um, us as students have a bigger role to play a part than we think and believe, maybe believe.
0: Yeah, they really do. Yeah,
1: awesome. Well, it's been a good chat, T bomb. I don't even think I can't remember the last time I actually heard your voice. So, um, it sucks that we didn't we weren't able to have the video side of things going today. But it was good to at least uh, pick your brain and have this conversation today. I'm sure. There'll be more in the future.
0: Well, that'd be great.
1: Awesome. Okay, well, I hope you have an awesome day today. Thanks for coming on and raising the curiosity curve.